So Rabbi Robert, um, now you told me that you're only 23. So how is he 93? <laughs> uh, so anyway, so you guys, you guys are leading the congregation together. And uh, that's a wonderful blessing. I know uh, as a dad, having two sons that are on staff here, awesome. it's a great blessing to me. And uh, it's a testimony to what the Lord's doing in you and your family. You guys, would you describe yourself as a Messianic congregation? Is that the best way to say it? Yes, Messianic so. Jewish congregation. Messianic Jewish congregation. So yeah. believers in Yeshua. Correct. Yes. And uh, maybe you could uh, just clarify exactly sure. what that means to you. Sure. So... Uh, we're a congregation, uh, a Jewish congregation, but we believe that God has called us to be the, the one new man. doesn't mean that we're the same, but it means that we're, as Jews and Gentiles, we come together one in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. So there's a very distinct, uh, beautiful first century experience. Uh, we worship in a Jewish way. We do Jewish liturgy, uh, a lot of Hebrew, but the point is that we come together as one whether Jew or Gentile. So we are, we're just really blessed as a congregation. And we were, when we were praying before the service, we are members of one body Amen. brought together in Yeshua, Jesus Christ. That's and right. uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful blessing to have you here. Yes. And I know that a few of our members have visited and worshiped with you guys yes. uh, on Shabbat. And uh, we're glad, finally, I know John the Beloved's been hoping that we could connect. <laughs> and I know Dr. Green also has... Uh, Yes. worship with you guys and uh, so it's a blessing to have you so tonight we are going to uh, enjoy this Passover Seder teaching and I'm really going to hand it over to you now and uh, you guys can sit wherever you feel is best and then okay. we'll go from there okay well uh, I just want to thank Pastor Michael can we just praise the Lord for this brother Amen. Thank you. we can see uh, shalom to all of you. So I wanted to begin with uh, a couple things, if I could. There's a, the um, Seder table, or the Seder plate here, and there's one down below. And hopefully as we go through the story, because that's what, the, um, there's, there's a book here that we we have, um, I printed out for Pastor Michael, it's called the Haggadah, which means the telling. And what we do is we go through the telling and the retelling of the Exodus. And like I've said uh, before, we go to the first, we'll talk about the first um, Exodus, the first original Seder is when uh, God led uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt and, uh, and then established um, the people of Israel as a as a, in Hebrew, it's a dor segula, as a, as a very precious treasure to be a witness upon the earth. And then we have the second Seder, which is the Messiah Seder, which is really what we're pointing to, as you can see on the PowerPoint. And uh, that's what we're really going to see and, and uh, understand, I hope, in a greater way. And what I'd like to share with people, too, is that um, we all have our own Seder story, if that makes any sense, which means is that we all have things we've been delivered from. And so we have our own testimony, and so there's also that exodus as we've come out of darkness into his glorious light, into the light of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. So I hope that you'll kind of encounter all of those wonderful uh, understandings as we go through the story. Um, this is not actually um, 
uh, Pesach or Passover, it actually, that actually begins Friday night. But we're going to do a reenactment, so to speak, uh, of like how a lot of things go if you were to be at a table. And usually they last about seven hours, but we're not going to keep you that long. <laughs> In fact, I could make this like one minute long if you want. Uh, no, I won't do that. But the, just uh, for those of you who are new to maybe any kind of Jewish uh, roots or background, uh, here's a summarization of every Jewish festival. And it's just very simple. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. <laughs> so, hallelujah. So, but I'll, I'll still do the Haggadah. <laughs> So this is uh, just like a reenactment. Uh, we, we're going to do all these different types of things, they're ceremonial, but as you're going to see, they all point to Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Um, okay, I think that's what I wanted to clarify. So uh, I'm going to begin, and we're going to have some interaction, um, but I'll begin with the Haggadah. And it says, first of all, uh, on Friday night, everyone uh, that comes to the Seder table somewhere in some Jewish home, you say Chag Sameach. So why don't you try, you gotta kinda do that roll. Chag Sameach. Just don't spit on anyone in front of you. Chag Sameach means happy festival. We're happy to come to this time and to this place. So um, Leviticus 23, 4, 5 establishes what's called the 14 of Nisan, that's the Jewish month, as a feast of Passover commemorating God's deliverance of the Jewish people from slavery. It's a day of rest, no matter what day of the week it falls upon. The next day is the 15th of Nisan. It begins the seven or eight day feast of unleavened bread that includes a feast of first fruits, Bikarim, which is the first Sunday after Passover, which is gonna be this coming uh, Sunday, which Christians celebrate as the resurrection day. During this festival, nothing leavens may be eaten or retained, meaning bread that has uh, leaven or the yeast. And the day before Passover, all of the leaven is searched for in the home and it's ceremonially discarded. Four days earlier, now if we go back to um, the first century, four days earlier on the 10th of Nisan, and it's not the car, by the way, that's just a Jewish month. <laughs> Men presented their yearling lamb or kid to the priest at the temple to be approved and consecrated as the Passover sacrifice. That same day, a young Jewish rabbi by the name of Yeshua rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to present himself in a like manner. It had long been a tradition that the Messiah would come on Passover in the manner and time foretold by the prophet Daniel. This was the very day that Jesus first allowed himself to be worshiped as Messiah. After presentation and consecration, the lamb was taken home to live with the family until Passover. Often it became like a pet, if you could imagine that, making it so much harder to sacrifice. And in this way, we come to understand a little of the pain of our Heavenly Father at what the Son must have suffered for redemption for us. About 2.30 p.m., on Passover Eve, which is called Erev Pesach. The priests and the Levites dressed in white linen, barefoot for service for the Lord's presence. They would open up the temple courtyard gates and to the sweet fragrance of burning frankincense, the Israelite men would enter, bringing their consecrated animal, 
into the courtyard. The trumpet would, uh, would sound, uh, it would be uh, three blasts as the animals were sacrificed. And a priest would catch the blood in a silver or gold vessel that would be passed from priest to priest to the one closest to the altar who would toss the blood on the altar at the base of it. And the blood would make its way through the underground channel to flow into the Kidron Brook. If you've been to Israel, you might know where that is. But we're going to plan a trip in 2021. That's like, in Hebrew they say Bezrat Hashem. That means with God's help. But I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to put the cart before the horse. <laughs> no, I, I kind of like that. Let's, okay. let's make that a target by okay. faith. Okay, Baruch Hashem. So while the Passover sacrifices were being offered, if you could think of this, if you could grab a picture in your mind, the Levites would sing or chant Psalms 113 through 118. And the following words are actually from Psalm 118, and Pastor Michael will read them. I will praise you, for you have heard me and become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, I beg you, save us now. O Lord, I beg you, prepare the way now. Remember, we studied Hosanna on Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord who has shined upon us. Celebrate the feast by binding the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. How many of you believe his mercy endures forever? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when all of this was done, according to the Torah law, the priest would proclaim, imagine this, they would say, it is finished. Does that sound familiar? Usually the sacrifices were quartered and roasted on the altar, but after these Passover lambs were slain, the priest prepared their sacrificial lamb for roasting by, the first, uh, by first removing the hide and then opening, I know this sounds a little bit, um, what's the word, like? Gross. A little gross. Yeah. <laughs> He's my interpreter. <laughs> removing the hide and then opening the abdominal cavity and then uh, removing the entrails. The intestines were then woven and wrapped around the head of the lamb. A pomegranate wooden rod was then uh, inserted lengthwise through the carcass, and a wooden crossbeam was then fastened to the rod, and the front hooves were tied to the crossbeam on each side, while the hind hooves were tied lengthwise on the rod. Who's getting the picture? And this Passover sacrifice was actually called the crowned sacrifice. And it was the only sacrifice so designed. So the priest's Passover lamb itself became, honestly, a graphic prophetic vision of our Messiah, of our Yeshua, of our Jesus. So all of these things were being, uh, were like a foreshadow of what was, uh, what happened on that time, during that time when Jesus was being prepared himself to be our sacrifice. The blood of the sacrificed lamb was spread on the doorposts. I hope you're understanding we're kind of going back to the first exodus, to the, exodus, or to the uh, time of, of Jesus at his Passover, and trying to tie it into our understanding today. But the blood of the sacrificed lamb on, on the very first Passover Seder 
was spread on the doorposts and the lintel with hyssop. It's a cleansing herb of oregano from the oregano family. Hyssop is the plant that grows wild between the stones in the wailing wall, or it's called the kotel in Hebrew, if you've been to Israel. The lamb was unroasted and served whole and eaten sometime uh, between sundown and midnight. The Passover table traditionally uh, sets uh, two Sabbath candles, which we have down below, a bottle of uh, juice, which we have here. Sometimes it's fermented or unfermented. And the Haggadah, which is what I'm reading from, which is the order of service. There are many versions, but we chose, I know Pastor liked this one, and I like it myself. The one we're using includes the most ancient traditions and the order of service that Jesus, Yeshua, and his disciples could have celebrated in the first century. The usual service is meant to fill a whole evening or a whole night for Orthodox Jews. Um, for our Passover, the Exodus story and the explanations of the Seder plate, which is right here, the elements have been abbreviated. Uh, several Psalms and Midrashes, which means scripture discussions, they've been eliminated except for the verse references. Often there's a pillow for reclining. How many of you remember uh, on the uh, gospel accounts they would recline during the Passover Seder? Okay, if you've read that before. Passover is to be celebrated reclining rather than sitting as slaves and dressed as if uh, to leave in a hurry. There's also the, the Seder. This is actually literally the order uh, plate, which is what we have here which has a lamb bone in memory of the Passover sacrifice. So my dad will lift that up, the lamb bone. That's, that really is uh, uh, to remember the Passover sacrifice. Then we have maror. I don't know, it might be up here. Oh, oh, actually, we're on. This is yeah. maror. This is not the very popular part of the Seder, but someone's going to experience that tonight, probably the bold one. <laughs> and um, that's... Uh, the maror, the bitter herbs, uh, horseradish, and then the charoset, which is right here. That's apples and, and chopped nuts, a uh, mixture of apples, and sometimes people use wine. Then there's the carpus, which is the, um, the bitter uh, herbs, what, or the parsley. And usually, we also have a second bitter herb. In this case, I see the onion. Sometimes it's also lettuce. And then we have the roasted egg that's is said to represent the the, the uh, peace or festival offering made in the temple the next day for the second Passover meal on the first day of the first unleavened bread. And so this is called the Chagigah. Can you say that? Chagigah. That's the egg. Okay. Um, so trying to get also the, the bowl is uh, there's this bowl of salt water here um, and there's matzah here, which we're going to I'll explain and there's uh, three settings of the cups, and then there's one at the end, uh, which is really colorful. That's called the cup of Elijah. Okay. Finally, uh, there's this right here, which is called the yachatz, which means the um, the unity or separation. I'm sorry, the yachatz is to my right here. My dad could lift that up. Once you lift it up. could lift it up all the way. Now, if you notice on this, um, maybe YouTube pastor, there's three levels there. There's three separate compartments. And um, it has one, the three different ones. They're all on leaven. 
Um, this is a real fancy one up here, but usually they're like that. There's not a, a rabbinic consensus as to what that means, the three matzahs, but does anyone have an idea what it might mean? The Father, the Son, and the, and the Spirit of God, amen? And so we see all of these things that even Jewish non-believers experience every single year uh, of traditions. I think it's important as believers in Christ that if you have Jewish friends to be able to share with them, hey, why, why is this bag, why does this have like three matzahs? Most people would say, I have no clue. You might be able to say, I have a clue. You might be able to share with them that it's actually a unity bag. In Hebrew, it's yachid, which means absolute one. Originally, it was echad in the Shema that meant uh, a composite one, but the rabbi switched it in the, in the meanings, uh, the interpretations of these two words in the scripture in the, between the 6th to 11th century AD so Christians could no longer use them as a proof text for the doctrine of the Trinity. So the Shema is something that's very close and dear to us. How many of you ever heard of the Shema? I think most people have. So what we'll do as a way of um, expressing a little bit of Hebrew tonight, we're gonna stand, because that's tradition what you do. And I'm gonna have my father just recite the Shema, just a little, one line, and then, um, Pastor Michael will give the, uh, the English interpretation. By the way, which way is east? Do you know which way might be? So east. That way, so we would always face east as we, as we do the Shema. So this way? Okay. So. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And the interpretation, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Amen. You may be seated. So from the beginning, the nature of God was revealed as a compound unity or trinity graphically expressed, as you could see in this just little part of the Seder that we experience. Another part that we experience um, on the well, Friday night would be the lighting of the Sabbath candles because it is considered a Sabbath. So I'm going to come down here um, for the actual lighting of the Sabbath candles. And I believe that Pastor Michael's wife will be doing it. Okay. So generally um, on the on Erev Passover, which is the first night, uh, my wife or my mother or whoever is the woman of the home, Sometimes it's been my daughter. Sometimes it's all of the ladies. They come and they light the candles. But before you do that, the rabbis teach that the Israelites were redeemed from Egypt because the pious women of that generation did not lose faith. And they were actually more righteous than the men. So it is therefore a woman's privilege to kindle the Shabbat lights, the Sabbath and the festival lights. The mother of the company covers her head usually, lights two candles, gives thanks to the Lord, and asks for a blessing upon those present in the home. So this is actually um, like a reenactment. Um, you're okay. <laughs> I'm going to get this guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You need it? I can't read it. You can't read it, okay. It's, uh, it's okay, no problem. Here, I have some. Does she need that? Does she need it? Do you want? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do the, the Hebrew, and then, and then if you like, the second one, and then you could do the inter, uh, transliteration. So it says, Baruch Atadonai Elohim HaMelech Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sacrificed us in your word and given us Yeshua, our Messiah, and com commanded, us, commanded us to be a light to the world. Amen. Amen. Let's hear it for... I'll just kind of be down here so that no one falls asleep. <laughs> On special occasions, especially holy days, it's customary for the head of the household also, which is usually the man of the home, to stand and bless those who are present. It's also customary for the adults to bless the children and the parents to bless their sons and daughters. This is done every Friday night in every Jewish home where the, the sons are blessed and then the daughters are blessed. And there's a sense of um, con uh, continuation in Hebrew, it's Lador Vador, from generation to generation to continue that blessing. So generally, if, if, if we could do something a little different, which would be kind of very special, um, if we could have the children, just uh, any children here tonight? If we could just have them come here down uh, to the down here for a little children's blessing. That'd be great. Let's give them an applause. Encourage them. <laughs> Wonderful. So children are like what, like 13 and below or even in between is fine. So generally on a, on a Friday night or on this, it's kind of added here just to kind of give a little bit of extra. A father would say like, may the Lord make you, he would say to his sons, may the Lord make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And basically, um, that's a blessing because those two were raised in a very secular time, but they kept their faith. So there's a sense that when you bless your sons, you're saying, even though we live in a certain culture, we ask God that you would bless them like them, like these boys, they kept the faith of their fathers. And then the daughters would come forward. Are there any daughters here tonight? Oh, there's got one right here. Good job. Number five. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you, and, and I have a daughter, and she's my eldest, and then I have two sons. So when I would bless my daughter on Friday, I'd say, may the Lord make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. And these are the women of faith that you know of in the scriptures. And then at the end, my father would do what's called the priestly blessing, which I have him do right now. He'll do the Hebrew, and then Pastor Michael would do the interpretation. And you could actually extend your hands towards the children. This is just a, a special blessing over them. The ironic benediction. Yes, sir. Yibrekecharunai, peishmerechan, yaeraronai panabelecha, behunecham, isadonai panabelecha, beyesemlecha. Shalom. How do I follow that? <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you, children. Good job. Let's give my hand. Yeah. So just to kind of go through how we do it right now, we're just going to serve a little cup of uh, juice. This is our first cup. There's four cups and a Passover Seder. And um, how many of you have ever been to a very long Seder where you've prayed, like, when does this end? <laughs> Some of them are very long. We try not to go too long. But, um, you know, as we're really trying to share today, it really all points towards Yeshua. And uh, that's what makes it wonderful and very meaningful. So this is called the first, the first cup is called the cup of consecration. Well, I don't know how to open it. Okay. <laughs> it's pastor proof. How do, how do you open this? That's a new one on me. I don't know. You want me? This part? Well, we're trying to. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> right. Hallelujah. So while, we're, while Pastor Michael's pouring those cup, just a first cup, um, while considered to be the first cup of the Passover Seder, uh, this is also called Kiddush uh, ceremony, initiates a communal meal in the name of the Lord. The Kiddush ceremony also includes a blessing of bread, which follows uh, that after the wine or here in the grape juice. At Passover, these two blessings are separated and the Kiddush is offered by uh, the most senior man uh, present. And then the woman may also say the Kiddush prayers if she's the head of the home or of the group of, the, uh, group of women. Usually only the celebrant drinks, but for Passover, everyone drinks the first cup. So what we do, uh, we all stand. Well, actually, you don't have to stand, but you, would, you two would stand. And, and then um, we take the cup in the right hand. And then my dad would say the, the, uh, the Hebrew. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri Amen. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And then um, you could go ahead and drink it now. We praise you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us out of all the people of the world and made us holy through your word. With love, you have given us commandments to follow, which include festivals for rejoicing, holidays for gladness, and Sabbaths for rest. In this Feast of Passover, you provide an annual remembrance of our freedom and deliverance from Egypt. You have chosen us. You have given us this holy festival with loving kindness and have blessed us with your favor. We praise you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for giving us life and sustaining us so that we may celebrate this season of joy. Amen. Amen. Okay, so then we do what's called the rachat, which is the washing of the hands. I'll have my dad uh, initiate that. So we'll do that. The 
Before eating, uh, Jewish people, even on the Friday nights, they do what's uh, called the ceremonial washing of the hands. It's uh, required in, in um, observant Judaism to purify themselves by washing of the hands. We know that we're washed by the blood of the lamb. But in Orthodox Jewish homes, the leader carries the bowl, or they have the bowl and the towel, and each member of the household does like natilat uh, yadayim, the washing of the hands. And then um, it's in a communal setting, and the water bowl and towel are passed from one to the other. In this case, um, my dad will, we don't usually do it, well, you can go ahead and just do the, the washing. Um, it's just like a little bit of an um, example of how uh, some will wash. There's different traditions. I know, how many of you know Jew Judaism is filled with traditions, <laughs> right? How many of you watch Fiddle on the Roof? <laughs> yeah, you know the song, right, Tradition? So uh, it's a great song. Um, but yeah, that's really the, the way we, the, the, we're not doing the blessing. You don't do, do the blessing. There's a lot of specifics, but just go ahead. Amen. So that's a, that's a prayer that says, uh, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us through your commandments and commanded us the washing of the hands. Um, if, you've, if you've been to a Seder, usually they do this twice. The first time, uh, it's not with the blessing. The second, it is. But we're just trying to go through this as, uh, as an example. You may be seated, gentlemen. We come now to what's called the parsley, which is um, called the carpus. As the Jewish people were dispersed around the world, they found that parsley was more commonly found in hyssop. And over time, it became customary to use parsley in, in place of the hyssop. So what's going to, I'd like to have, can I have one um, person come, anyone from uh, the crowd to actually uh, partake of the parsley? Okay, so, so this is a part, you just want to grab a little bit of the parsley, yep, and then you all could do the same. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to dip the parsley into the salt water. And this is what we do as the wine is red in color and represents the blood of the Passover lamb, whose name is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So also the greens represent the hyssop, which was used to brush the blood over the houses, remember, um, so that the angel of death would pass over the houses that had the blood. So they would, on the doorpost uh, and on the lintel, and the salt water is representative of the tears that were shed in Egypt because there was a lot of slavery going on in Egypt with our people. So um, both of which were salty. Also, the Red Sea was something that was salty. So what we do is you could go ahead and eat the, the uh, carpus, and congratulations. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> okay. That wasn't too bad? No. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. As we go further, we'll see what happens, right? So that's one part of the story where they put the blood over the houses. So that's where that comes from. And then, um, so you go ahead and you could eat it now, Dad. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who created the fruit of the earth. Amen. Okay, so we're not. We're not using that one right now. 
So then we're going to go to what's called the Yachatz pastor. That's the unity, the unity bag right there of the matzah. And at this time, the leader uh, will take the middle matzah. You got to take the middle matzah of this unity bag. So let me have someone do that down here as well. There's three matzah. There's one, there's two, and there's three. Who would like to come and uh, do this part? Okay, so what you want to do is take the middle matzah, just make sure it's the middle matzah, um, out of that bag and break it in half. There you go. And thereby demonstrating that the Passover is fulfilled by the second person in the Trinity whose name is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. The smaller piece is called the bread of affliction. The larger piece is called the afikomen. And it's wrapped in a white linen and hidden from sight. And uh, so what we're going to do is, uh, so that's, so then you put one back here. Um, put, let me see, right there. And then for the sake of uh, just, you put it there. But on the top one here, you want to put the second one, the afikomen in here. It's okay. So we have a special bag. And by the way, how many children do we have here earlier today? We had four? Okay, so um, I don't know how we're going to do this, Pastor, but somehow we're going to have to get that bag, and someone's going to have to hide it. Okay. Someone's going to have to hide it, so. Um, okay. Okay, we need I a mean, volunteer you know, to hide the bag. So uh, we, kids, close your eyes. Yeah, they're right. They're, they're watching very carefully. There's a reason why we actually take that. There's a beautiful picture of Yeshua Jesus. He was broken, and then he was also wrapped. And then we know that he was placed in the tomb, and we know that he rose from the dead. So there's all this significance as we go through this. Uh, what we do at this time is we'll do uh, the blessing over a piece of matzah. So just take um, the, the piece of matzah right there. And um, my dad will do the blessing in Hebrew, and then Pastor will do the, the English, the, the blessing over the chamotzi. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam hamotzi lechem haaretz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. So then you want to take a piece of that matzah and eat it at this time? No, no. Take a piece of that one, and um, and then just just a small piece, and then you may be seated. This is the bread of affliction, which uh, is said that our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let all who are hungry come and eat. Let all who are in need come and celebrate the Passover. So we're going to continue now. It says, it was customary for the youngest son uh, at each of the uh, seders to ask four traditional questions regarding the evening of Passover. Um, and usually what we like to do is ask uh, a young person to come forward. I, I don't know who it, who it will be tonight to come and ask the four questions. So let's hear, what's your name? Colin. Colin, let's hear it for Colin. He's gonna ask four questions. Why is this night different from all other nights? Other nights we may eat either leave Leaven or unleavened bread. This night only unleavened. 
Other nights we may eat any kind of herbs. Tonight we eat, mu we must eat bitter herbs. Other nights we do not dip even once. Tonight, twice. Parsley into salt water and later bitter herb into charoset. Other nights we eat sitting or reclining as we please. Tonight we all recline. Okay, good job. Excellent. How many, how many of you have children that ask a lot of questions? <laughs> it's very typical and wonderful for children to ask questions all the time. Before 1000 AD, the fourth question asked by, asked why the lamb was roasted and served whole. It is said uh, that the famous rabbi Rashi changed the question because the rabbis no longer felt it was appropriate to serve lamb without the sacrifice being done in a temple. How many of you know two temples were destroyed? From then on, it became customary to serve some other kind of meat for dinner. And so the afikomen, which is the, the one that was just hidden, which the kids didn't see, um, has become a substitute for the Passover lamb in terms of the story. I hope that makes a little sense. Okay, so uh, pastor is going to read some of the story at this time. This is actually the, the story behind uh, the um, Haggadah. So in response to the questions of the, the child, because in Egypt we were Pharaoh's slaves, but the Eternal, our God, brought us out of that land with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And if the Most Holy had not brought our ancestors from Egypt, we and our children and our children's children would still be in bondage in Egypt. Therefore, even if we are all wise, all of us full of knowledge and understanding, all of us learned it in the law, Nevertheless, it is our duty to speak of the departure from Egypt as God's act of deliverance. And all those who speak of the departure from Egypt are accounted praiseworthy. Blessed be the Lord whose law speaks distinctly of the four different characters of children, the wise, the wicked, the simple, and the one who has no capacity to inquire. The wise son asks, what are these testimonies, statutes, and judgments which the eternal our God has commanded us. Then you will instruct him in the laws of the Passover, teaching him that after the paschal lamb, no desert, no dessert, I'm sorry, should be on the table. The wicked son asks, what do you mean by this service? By the word you, it is clear he does not include himself as has withdrawn himself from the community. It is proper to retort upon him saying, this is done because of what the eternal did for me when I went forth from Egypt. For me and not for him. For had, there, had, he, had he been there, he would have not been thought worthy to be redeemed. The simple son asks, what is this? You shall tell him, with a mighty hand did the eternal bring us forth from Egypt and from the house of bondage. For the son that has no capacity to inquire, you must begin the narrative thus. This is done because of what the eternal did for me when I went forth from Egypt. Okay, so we'll pour another uh, cup here at this time. So we're going to elevate the wine. This is just a second cup. Blessed is he who strictly observes his promise to Israel. It is that promise which he has been uh, the support of our ancestors and ourselves. Uh, for not only has he has uh, they been risen up against us, but in every generation 
people have risen themselves against us to annihilate us, but the Most Holy has always delivered us from the hands. I don't know if you watch the news, but we know that Israel is constantly under attack, and it's no bigger than the size of New Jersey. And you want to wonder, you kind of wonder, if you don't know the scriptural prophecies and things, you wonder, what is it with this small country? But all we have to do is read the Bible, correct? And we see God's hand has been over the Jewish people and will continue to be. So as Jacob and his children went down to Egypt to live there for a while, 70 souls went down into Egypt, but there uh, the Almighty made us into a mighty nation. Uh, but the Egyptians became afraid of our numbers and set taskmasters over us. And they ill-treated us, afflicted us, and laid heavy bondage upon us. And we cried to the Lord, and God heard our cries. And so the Eternal brought us forth from Egypt, out of Egypt, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders. And then the Eternal brought us forth uh, from Egypt, not by means of an angel, nor by means of a seraph, nor by means of a messenger, but that was the most holy in his own glory. And as, as is said, I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night, and I will smite every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and all of the gods of Egypt, and I will execute judgment. I am the eternal. With a strong hand refers to the pestilences that the eternal visited, uh, uh, put upon Egypt. So what we're gonna do, um, we're learn a little Hebrew tonight. So I'm going to say Hebrew. You could repeat after me the Hebrew, and then Pastor Michael will say what that Hebrew word means. So does anyone know how many plagues there were? I got to hear it a little bit louder. There were 10 plagues, exactly. So I'm going to say 10 words in Hebrew. So repeat after me. Dam. Blood. So that's the first plague. Sephardea. Frogs. And can I stop you there for a second? Yes. John the Beloved, where are you at? Come up. Um, say that one one more time. Plague number two. Svardea. Frogs. <laughs> Thank you, John. If you came for anything tonight, it was to hear that. Hallelujah. Now, can I just add that we've had some funny times because he'll do that we're out somewhere, and he starts to do it, and he doesn't really move his lips, and so people don't know where it's coming from. It's we've had some fun with that. Have you? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna remember that at service. Yes. All right. Uh, the next one is kinim. Gnats. Arov. Flies. Zever. Cattle. Shechin. Boils. Varad. Hail. Arbet. Locusts, Choshech, darkness, and Max Bechorot, slaying of the firstborn. You guys are fantastic. Give yourselves a hand because you did a. <laughs> so, um, gen uh, in tra traditionally, what you do at a Seder is that you, as you do all of the plagues, you take a little plate, and as you go through um, each of the plagues, you kind of dip your finger and then kind of go through the 10 plagues. So at the end, you have 10, 10 of the uh, little dots of, of grape juice or wine, and that's part of the tradition. Um, there's another part here, uh, another word I want you to say, which is called dayenu. Can you say that? Dayenu, dayenu means it would have been enough, okay? 
So say it one more time, Dainu. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my dad read from a song. Um, and then after he stops, I want you guys to say Zainu, okay? Zainu. Okay. How many abundant favors has the omnipresent done for us? Zainu. If he had brought us forth from Egypt and not inflicted judgment upon the gods, Zainu. If he had created judgment upon the gods, if he had inflicted justice on them and had not ex executed judgment upon the gods, it would have been enough. If he had created judgment upon their gods and had not slain their firstborn, if he had slain their firstborn and not bestowed their wealth upon us, if he had given us their wealth and not divided the sea for us, if he had divided the sea for us, and not made us pass through on dry land. If he had made us pass through its midst on dry land and had not drowned our oppressors in the sea, if he had drowned our oppressors in it and had not supplied our necessities in the wilderness during 40 years, if he had supplied our necessities in the wilderness during 40 years, and had not fed us with manna. If he had fed us with manna and not given us the Sabbath. If he had given us the Shabbat and not brought us to Mount Sinai. If he had brought us to Mount Sinai and not given us the Torah. If he had given us the Torah and not led us into the land of Israel. If he had led us into the land of Israel and had not built the temple. Zainu. So who gets the, uh, the understanding that there's a sense of contentment in God, amen? And that we should always have a sense of Dainu in our souls, which is, you know, if God had just done this, you know, it would have been enough. But we know that our Father wants to do everything for us. So he always wants to do more and more and more as we follow his son, amen? Amen. And every generation, let each man look on himself as, he, as if he came out of Egypt. The Holy One has not only redeemed our fathers, but it's also along us along with them. All of us who are redeemed are redeemed by the Messiah and are grafted into Israel and so also partake of this time. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7 through 8 says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And then it says, let us keep the feast. So we raise the cup, and we say we, the pastor, the pastor will say this part. We therefore are privileged to thank, praise, adore, glorify, extol, honor, bless, exalt, and reverence him who wrought all the miracles for our ancestors and us. For he brought us out of bondage to freedom, from sorrow to joy, from mourning into holy days, from darkness to great light, and from servitude to redemption. And therefore, let us chant unto him a new song. Hallelujah. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah, was his sanctuary and Israel was his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. The Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. 
What ailed you, O sea, that you have fled? You, Jordan, that you were driven back? You, mountains, that you skipped like rams? And you, little hills, like lambs? Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain. Truly, we could say hallelujah for the great redemption which God wrought on our behalf, redemption at a terrific price. So what we do at this time, we go to the second cup, and it's probably at this time when Jesus said to his disciples, I have greatly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So he took the cup, and it said that he gave thanks. And so we do the, the, the blessing, which is, King of the universe, who is the fruit of the vine. And then Jesus said, and Jesus said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God shall come. And this is a time where we drink the second cup. It was at this point that Jesus is thought to have washed the feet of his disciples, explaining the meaning of this act in John 13, humbling himself to do the job reserved for the lowliest slave in any household. He told the disciples that one of them would betray him. When he was again seated at Peter's urging, John, who was sitting closest to Jesus, asked him who the betrayer was. Jesus said it would be the one to whom he gave the matzah dipped in bitter herbs. Jesus gave it to Judas and told him to go and quickly do what he intended to do. Okay, so I need another volunteer at this time to come forward. Okay. I, we could have two, two is good. One, no, no, two, John, you got up. Oh, <laughs> come forward. You're, you're quick, and it's good. Okay. And your name? Kimora. Kimora. Great. Uh, you might not thank me after. I know it's John. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, of course. Of course. We're going to do a teaching on that after. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the middle, the middle matzah from there. And so this is the middle one here. And then we're going to take a little piece, and we're going to dip it into this maror, which is there in the middle. Okay? So you want to dip it there. Now, it's horseradish. So just don't eat it yet. So don't, just dip it first. You're supposed to go through the story as if you were there. So you could imagine that a lot of people literally take a big scoop, but then they can't breathe afterwards. <laughs> so we always have ice water at the tables. But the, the, usually this is passed around at the table. And we say, blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments, commanded us concerning the eating of bitter herbs, because it reminds us of the story. It says, Judas then left and was not present for the rest of the observance of the Seder, of, of Jesus. So um, after all have, now you could go ahead and eat it. Okay. 
Can I tell you that your dad said, take a big scoop, you sissy. <laughs> no, he didn't call me. He didn't call me a sissy. Okay. Okay. But he's, he's a rock up here. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I know. It's, it's, you're so, it, John likes it, so he, we'll pray for you after. We're up deliverance. Thank you. Good job. Okay, I'm sorry that you had to do for that one, but yeah, it's here for them. So if you ever go, if you ever do the Seder, you literally do want to try to eat so much of it that you're like crying. Unless you like hot salsa and you're just like immune to this, you probably could pass it. Okay. As the bitter herb is a symbol of suffering, the salt water is a symbol of tears. And then the greens are the symbol of the hyssop. And the wine is symbolic of the blood. And also on the plate is the charoset, which is the apples. It's symbolic of the mortar representing the clay bricks that were made to build Egypt. So this uh, will conclude the first part of the Seder. And uh, I understand we have caviar and steak to be served at this time, right? That's in my office oh, for that's later. Right. Okay. <laughs> Generally at a Seder, this is what everyone's waiting for, like the meal. But you have to suffer a little bit to get to the meal. Um, but, but we're going to keep on going. So. Um, now what we're going to do is take uh, two pieces of matzah. So I need another volunteer. This is not too bad. Another volunteer who, who dares to come and partake of this, okay? All right. Brother Bert. What's your name, sir? Bert. Welcome. Come on up, and then I'll tell you what to do. Uh, we're going to take two pieces of matzah here. You could take a break, uh, two pieces of that. And you're going to put some of this stuff here. Can everyone say charoset? That's the apple. That's the symbolic of the mortar. So, so you're going to take two pieces, and then you're going to scoop some of that stuff in between both of those. It's called a, a sandwich, not your typical sandwich. Yeah, but you're also going to add bitter herbs to it. It's a little bit of a it's sweetness and also the bitterness of life. So you're going to take, uh, yeah, just dip those two together. Like make a sandwich um, to do that. So you're going to hold it here. And uh, I'm going to read this as we're getting ready. In Jesus' time, the Passover meal consisted of just the Paschal lamb, unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. But there's a rabbi, his name was Rabbi Gamliel. How many of you ever heard of him or read of him in the scriptures, in the New Covenant? Okay. He was uh, named in the New Testament. He was a teacher of Paul, the apostle. And he said, Rabbi Gamliel, he said, whoever doesn't mention the following three things on Passover has not fulfilled his obligation. So the Passover sacrifice, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. And it was Rabbi Hillel, the teacher of Gamliel, who said that to have started the custom of making a what's called a Hillel sandwich, which is not like your typical in and out, but it's more Jewish, what you're kind of experiencing. And this is what the Hillel sandwich is. It's like a mixture of the sweetness and the bitterness. And it was uh, kind of to, to understand the story, okay? So the rabbis say that eating this is a reminder of the Passover lamb. So during this dinner time, um, we're not even going to do that, but go ahead and eat it at this time. Not, did you all eat it already? Oh, you already ate it already. You already made him eat it already. <laughs> hey, uh, your dad made me put horseradish on it again. 
<laughs> He's calling me out up He's here. Call- okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a little, can you feel the little bittersweet? Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you want to shake my hand after that one. Thank you. Let's hear it. What's the one, yeah, one more time? Your name? Bert. Bert, let's hear it for you, Bert. Okay, so remember we had the afikomen. Uh, that's the, we took the middle matzah, we broke it, and we wrapped it in this little cover. And um, it's, it's a linen, it's a piece of linen. And this is a time where I like to have the children look for that. Now, who hit it? What's her name? Brenda hit it. Brenda? You hit it. Oh, okay, that's good, I like that. So the four children that were up here for the blessing find it. It's a white little, uh, it's like, it's a little white uh, thing that says, I'm hiding, and that's the afikomen. Who finds it first gets a reward, okay? And I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not going to be the horseradish, I promise. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. All right, come on down. So I have a deal for you. You give me that for this? No problem. He's like, no problem. (laughs) So he just, that was $5, by the way. So so that means you have to tithe, brother, okay? (laughs) Just want to make sure we put that in there. Okay. We we have to put this. So that's the afikomen. And usually what we do after that, we eat. Since this is like more uh, a, a demonstration, you would eat the whole afikomen. And what I'd like to do, and what we're going to do with this pastor is actually will be part of the communion. This is a very sacred part. Now we're going to fill the third cup. And um, this is the third cup of the Passover. And it says the order of service traditionally has the eating of the afikomen first and then the drinking of the third cup of salvation, which is this cup. And since the eating of the afikomens, some of you might not remember what that is. That's the one that I have here. It comes at the end of a joyous celebration. Jewish scholars often say that this uh, Greek word uh, buried in the midst of the Hebrew liturgy comes from the meaning dessert. Others say it came from epikomen, which means revelry or entertainment. But in ancient times, afikomen was understood to come from the word afikomenos, which is a verb for meaning he is coming. So therefore speaking into existence that Yeshua, Jesus, is going to come. So there's a lot of things that Jewish people do that even if they don't know about Yeshua, Jesus, how many of you could see Jesus all over this? Because he was you know, buried. I'm going to read more of that. It was Rabbi Eleazar, son of Azariah, who said, as a 70-year-old man, a little bit older than my dad. He never understood the meaning of the Passover until he heard another rabbi reaccount the Passover story. It was then that he realized that the story speaks of the days of the Messiah. Indeed, Passover in Jesus' time and before spoke as strongly of the coming of Messiah as Passover lamb and deliverance from Egypt. There was an unexplained merging of the two themes. After the destruction of the temple and Israel um, uh, 
which was destroyed by the Romans, the rabbis deliberately attempted to remove all of the references to the Messiah as possible from the Seder service. And for several centuries, uh, the early church continued to celebrate Passover as part of the Resurrection Day celebrations. This is one reason why the Eastern Orthodox Christians continue to celebrate the Feast of Resurrection closer to the time of Passover and also the Feast of First Fruits and called it, uh, does anyone know what they call it, the Eastern Orthodox? That's very good, excellent. Pascha, the Greek word for Passover, um, and that's what they actually call it, Pascha, okay? There is no question, so they don't call it Easter, they call it Pascha, right? And so Jewish people call the season Pesach, so there's a similarity there. There's no question that the early Jewish believers in Yeshua included this, uh, this little ceremony of the hiding of the afikomen in their seders. And some scholars think that they actually started the practice. Could you imagine Jewish believers trying to remember the story of their Messiah? There's also a strong possibility that the coming at the end of the seder, that the, Afi, uh, the afikomen uh, looked forward to the Messiah's coming and deliverance. But the rabbis decided to write, redefine the practice and to discourage other things and other schisms like the one uh, causing the loss of the followers of Yeshua. I don't know if you know history, but there was like a lot of tension between the early Christians and those, those who continued, to, the Jewish people who continued to follow uh, Jesus. But what's wonderful today is that he's brought us back together, Jew and Gentile, and so it's like an honor for me as a Jew and my father to be united, one in Christ with your pastor and all of you. So this is like a reverse of the schism, amen.